All right, uh, to kind of wrap up the entertaining podcast day that it was today, and I want to thank everybody that, that took some time out to get on with me. Uh, I've saved the best for the last, the most, the hottest topic in Philadelphia over the last couple of weeks, even though you may not be a passionate fan because uh, we all know that the Flyers fan base is a, kind of a, a tribe type thing, but it's starting to seep into the um, mainstream of Philadelphia sports. Uh, and I'm going to welcome Jamie Baskell back to my my podcast. Jamie uh, making his second appearance. Uh, we talked a little bit at the end of the season. Uh, Jamie writes uh, for the Flyers, uh, right, covers the Flyers for the FlyersNittyGritty.com. Jamie, welcome back, man. Thank you for taking some time out for, uh, from your very busy schedule. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'd be uh, happy to come on again. And you got a dedicated viewership. And, you know, I'm honored that you even asked me to come on. So, yeah, it's been a trying time in Flyerland, that's for sure. It ha- yeah, it, it has, Jamie. And, you know, and I, I hate to say this, but when things began to kind of wobble, uh, weeble wobble and all that back in, I would say that, what would you would think it was that lightning game, right? About uh, about seven, eight games ago, the overtime loss. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and four to three overtime loss, yeah. And then, you know, as things began to kind of spiral from there, unfortunately, I thought about you uh, because, one, you're all over the place when it comes to the Flyers. I don't know anybody that's that's tuned in as much as you are to what's happening down there. Um, and I'm very interested to hear when things go bad and good, what you had to say about them. Jamie, I want to kind of go back in time a little bit. Let's let's get back to the summer. Let's get back to Chuck Fletcher and AV's exit press conference at the end of the last season. The excuses without being excuses. The pledge that we're going to change the culture. We're going to bring in character people. There are some people in this locker room that might not have uh, not not have belonged there. Chuck goes out, honors his word. We turn over about twenty five percent of the roster. Once we get to training camp, things seem. Like a breath of fresh air. What was your take of the Flyers back in training camp when when they kicked things off for the season? Very happy. Uh, the, you know, there were some changes that Chuck Fletcher needed to make, and he made it. Uh, you know, you couldn't go into, you couldn't have another season like last season, and uh, you know, we're just turning over the same roster and using COVID as an excuse. Uh, not saying that the Flyers, you know, necessarily use that as an excuse, but we heard it a lot saying due to COVID, it wasn't just the Flyers; it was throughout, you know, many teams in the NHL for that matter. Uh, and to me, there are no excuses for bad play. Uh, you either you either are going to play or you're not. And uh, unfortunately, last year was a debacle. It was a nightmare season. So in, in training camp, after training camp, and you saw the roster, I was very excited, like most Flyers fans, and, you know, thought that, you know, it would be a great season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was great. I mean, it looked like there was a chemistry on the ice. It looked like there was chemistry in the locker room. And, you know, it just looked, like you said, a breath of fresh air. And, uh, you know, I think that Chuck Fletcher – was given, you know, and should have been given a lot of kudos for, you know, having the guts to do what he did to turn over 25% of your roster. Um, You don't see very many teams, you know, in professional sports do that. And Chuck Fletcher had the balls to do that. Yeah, um, I agree. And I was, I think I told you this before that when they, uh, when they announced the Voracek trade, I was on my way to Lake Placid and uh, out of phone service, came back into service just as the, notifications right i was doing a dance out there on 
I don't even know what road it was, but yeah, I was really happy. It, it, he was really making, making, you know, um, good on his promise that we had some yeah. character and it was the usual, it was the people we thought it was, you know, it was, it was the, the ghosts and the Voracek's and yeah. the Nolan Patrick's and the Phil Myers, the Hags. It, it, it was those suspects, you know, with maybe the exception of JVR, which, you know, I got all that, but yeah. So training camp begins, uh, everything is clicking, but then the injuries uh, come in. You got Wade Allison going down with a massive high ankle sprain. You got Kevin Hayes, uh, you know, kind of dealing with a, a consequence or a, uh, I don't know, a side effect of the surgery he had earlier in the summer. And then um, those were your two main injuries heading into the beginning of the season. But all in all, heading into opening night against Vancouver, things were looking pretty good. Would you not agree? Yeah, absolutely. I would. I would actually. The last time I came on your podcast, uh, I was concerned about Kevin Hayes. You mentioned that, and I was concerned about Kevin Hayes in the summertime, and I was concerned about Kevin Hayes because he had that abdominal procedure, in which you know I stated on the on the podcast that the Flyers have a rich history, which uh, with uh, sports hernia procedures. Uh, you're looking at Nolan Patrick. Yep. You're looking at Claude Giroux, Shane Gothisbear, Brian Elliott. Um, all those aforementioned players suffered greatly in the following season that, uh, you know, from those particular procedures. Paul Giroux and Shane Gossespierre didn't start clicking until February to early March of that season. Uh, Brian Elliott never clicked in his uh, following season. Actually, he was on in and out of, you know, the lineup. Uh, he was hurt. That was the eight goalies, eight goalies season uh, a few years ago yep. that the uh, with Mike McKenna, you know, finishing up for you know the Flyers and whatnot. But um, you know, the Flyers have a rich history, and of course, we know what happened to Nolan Patrick uh, and those multiple procedures that he had. Uh, these that was a significant injury, and to call it a minor injury, it was anything but. Right, it's a major injury for the Flyers. The Flyers should know and they shouldn't have banked on, you know, a Kevin Hayes. And Chuck Fletcher didn't. Actually, he tried shoring up that position. And uh, that's why he signed, you know, Doug Broussard to a $900,000 deal, you know, a one-year deal. Uh, make or break it for Doug Broussard. So he tried shoring up that particular, you know, area. Um, but it, it hasn't gone, you know, as planned. No, it hasn't. And... Uh, before we move on into the season, I want to talk about another injury about a player who just just I, I don't know what is up with this guy and why he can't seem to stay on the ice. Sam Warren, another I mean, again, shelved um, Flyers offered him. They signed him a new, new deal. Uh, what, what is up? Do you know you have any inside information on, on Sam Warren's? I know he's back skating. Uh, is there a timeline on his return or return to Lehigh or, or Reading or wherever he might end up? Yeah, he's definitely going to go to to Lehigh for a conditioning stint whenever he's ready. There is no timeline for his return. As a matter of fact, uh, one of our writers, Lance Green, uh, spoke to him not this past week, the previous week, uh, in the press box, and he said there is no timetable for his return, which is uh, a little concerning. And like you mentioned, he is skating, so that's great. It's good at least to see him on the ice. And you think about it. Wade Allison is almost coming back, and they yeah. thought Wade Allison would come back this weekend. And it turns out, per Tony Androkaitis, said he's not coming back until next weekend. Yeah. Uh, so he was scratched tonight in Lehigh, which I did get that info. But, uh, you know, uh, 
So looking at the weight, Allison, he started skating about three or four weeks ago. So you're looking at about a month for, I would presume, at least for Sam Warren. So you're probably looking at around Christmas is probably when. That's probably a safe bet in terms of Warren actually going to Lehigh to get some type of uh, conditioning into uh, game shape. If he's skating, that means he's near, um, unless he has a setback. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, with this team is, if nothing, full of setbacks, and we'll get into that here in a second. But yeah. uh, <laughs> so the season began October fifteenth against the Canucks. Uh, everything was on the display. It was, you know, the new guys kind of stepping up. Cam Atkinson, uh, Ryan Ellis, all contributed with goals. Flyers ended up, um, I believe, losing in a shootout in that game. Um, was it overtime? I know it was not in regulation. Um, yeah, it was a shootout. But all in all, I think a lot of people came away from that opening game finally free of the memories of last season and okay with the fact that where we are and, and we're, we're definitely at a better place. Uh, the goaltending was seemingly better. Um, you know, Carter had his moments with rebounds, but he was, he seemed better. And then through the first eight, 10 games of the season, all systems and all things were trending in the right direction for this team. What was your, uh, what was your impression of the team after the first 10 games of the season? I was very impressed. Uh, it was definitely a, a team that wasn't like last season. Uh, this was a team that was high energy, um, that uh, stuck up for one another, that were able to put the biscuit in the basket, and they were receiving great goaltending. It was a combination, like, um, to see a Flyers team react the way they were. It was great. Yeah. Uh, they were fun. They were energetic. You wanted to watch the games throughout the first 10 games, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, even minus Ryan Ellis for six of those games. Yeah, and, and of course, that's where it began to happen right after that is the injuries began to mount up. Kevin Hayes, Ryan Ellis came back for a game, then both went back on IR. Uh, you know, Then we lost Derek Bassard, Nate Thompson, Pat Brown, uh, Joel Farabee, but we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, then things began to wobble. The the Florida trip um, right before Thanksgiving, and then the subsequent Carolina game right after Thanksgiving, told me a lot about this team. I know they were struggling heading into those three games, but coming out of those three games, I personally was very concerned because what I saw from the team was a lot of the habits of the twenty twenty one Flyers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you look back to the seven game losing streak. Uh, that you speak of uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I didn't pay it no mind against Tampa Bay yeah. when they lost, you know, four to three in overtime. It was a good uh, effort. I they they fought. It was good. I mean, for at least they were they were outplayed for forty yeah. minutes. Yep. But the Flyers owned Tampa Bay in that final session there, and they actually outshot them. I think it was uh, fourteen to one. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I could be it uh, was, wrong by that. I know yeah, Tampa only had it was one fourteen and fourteen to one. But um, the Flyers played very well in that third period. So losing to the defending champs four to three in overtime really wasn't a bad thing. Um, you know, uh, you're looking at it. I mean, they're defending champs for a reason. Yeah. And Tampa Bay has always been, you know, you know, they're a very good team. Uh, they're they're tough up and down their lineup, and they have the best goaltender in the world on their team. So to lose to at least get a point from them. Things were only up and up, and then you go in, and then these next six games, 
the Flyers just have no energy. Uh, they're un, unspirited uh, for the majority of you know the uh, for the majority of the periods. Um, definitely resembles a, the uh, 2020-21 team a lot, and it's because of the lack of energy, unspirited hockey. Uh, they stopped sticking up for one another. If you look, uh, there was a hit uh, against Coots two games ago. And Ross Smith's whistle line and came over to the player and just like pushed him. And uh, but earlier in the season they would have dropped and missed, uh, you know, right away. So now they're even stopping to stick up for one another per yeah. se. Uh, it's very concerning to me. Uh, it's concerning that we are using injuries as an excuse, and but I not but not using it as an excuse at the same time, you know. That's what's concerning. Yeah, yes, that's correct. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you listen to Chuck Fletcher's presser, he said, when everyone gets healthy, and to me that that's it's sort of like a cop-out. Yeah. And the power play has been, you know, hard. Since 2014-15, all right? Let's, uh, let's, let's say it the way it was. Which, which is false, uh, <laughs> because when he took over, when he took over, the Flyers had the 12th or 14th best power play in the league and then they had the 10th best and then it followed with the 15th best so they were always like anywhere from you know 10th to the middle of the pack you know as low as 18 i think is what it was during the uh hexal era anyway yeah but um they weren't 31st in the league like they are today they're 30th in the nhl like they are today yeah uh you know it, it, it to me own it it's bad Forget the previous regime. I don't even care what happened during the Hexel era at this point. Yeah. This is the Chuck Fletcher era. Uh, you know, the Ron Hexel era is gone. And to me, it's time to move on. It's time to say, hey, the power play is terrible. Uh, it's We need to make these drastic you know, changes in terms of either A, dismissing a coach, you know, or B, really change the personnel on both units. I mean, using players that you wouldn't even think of. Uh, for instance, I think Zach McEwen has been one of the uh, best flyers forwards, but yet he's not on the top two power play units. If he's one of your best forwards, maybe it's time to insert him in in front of the net and try to deflect the, you know, deflect the puck you know, home. Uh, you know, you could do something like that. You know, I think AV has to realize who has it and who doesn't during the games. It appears that it's a different player each game now who's on or not. Uh, Zach McEwen has been on the past seven games, and finally, due to injury, he's finally in the top six when he should have been moved into the top six four games ago. Yeah. Uh, but, but that – they're just – I'm I'm – it's not about them losing that that has me, you know, up in arms. It's about how they're losing these games. Yeah. If they if they gave a complete effort and lost the game, say three to two, three to one, two to one, you know, you're not necessarily happy, but I'm okay about it because they gave a hundred percent effort. But if you look at this seven game losing streak, the only effort that was given to me is the Tampa Bay game, uh, and that was that third period. It seemed to suck the life out of this team, and it seems that they haven't been able to right the ship since. 
and it, it has nothing to do with injuries. If Ryan Ellis and Kevin Hayes were healthy for some of these games, which Kevin Hayes is now, but if Ryan Ellis and Kevin Hayes, it wouldn't matter much. They might have maybe two or four more points. But I can tell you this, the spirit wouldn't have changed from the Flyers. You look at last game. Were they unspirited? Did they lack energy? Yeah, yes. absolutely. I mean, 100%. Absolutely. You're looking at this team and they just look they're beat. Like they're gassed. They're like beat they're before tired. they get on the ice. The, um, the game's over they, already. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's irregardless of the Joel Farabee injury to me. And that's a massive injury. Out of all the injuries, out of all of them, yeah. I'm most concerned about Joel Farabee now. Yeah. Because this is bad timing for the Flyers to lose that type of caliber player. And it, he's weak to weeks now. I'm scared about losing Joel Farabee. The Flyers may not be. Uh, and it appears that they necessarily aren't. I mean, me, I would have made a move. Uh, that's, that's absolutely that. I think that losing that type of player who knows how to puck the puck, puck in the net, he scored two goals in the past three games. He has seven goals on the season. He's tied for the team leading goals. I'm concerned about losing Farabee for an extended period of time, especially given that Wade Allison now isn't going to play until next weekend for Lehigh. See, I thought that he would play tonight and play tomorrow and then possibly have a call-up to the Flyers, you know, after, you know, Monday night's game against the Avalanche, but that's not going to happen now. You know, no. That's what I was banking on. I was hoping, you know, okay, Chuck Fletcher's not making a move because he's banking on Wade Allison, who could take the place of Joel Farabee if he was 100%. Uh, Wade Allison is a very good player. Uh, he's going to be a good player in this league for, you know, uh, a long time. I thought maybe, you know, since Fletcher didn't make a move today, that maybe he was banking on Wade Allison, but he can't now. Now that's gone. So now you're talking about not replacing Joel Farabee for at least four or five games. And I wouldn't say that you have Morgan Frost. Yes, they have Morgan Frost. But Morgan Frost is up for a different reason. Morgan Frost is up because they know Kevin Hayes isn't 100%. They also know that, you know, the injury to Derek Broussard, who's, who hopefully is coming back tomorrow, but, you know, so they could put Frost to keep him on the wing. Um, but I know in their back pocket they have Claude Giroux for center, and I don't know why that move hasn't been made sooner. If, 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 if I were the coach of this team and seeing that, the Flyers, you know, were struggling down the middle. I would have moved Claude back to center five games ago. Yeah. No, I agree. And it's, uh, it, it is telling and kind of want to backtrack on some of the things you already po- you pointed out. And let's, uh, let's get back to Ch- Chuck Fletcher. Uh, he finally has his quarterback factory. Uh, he, he gets to go up on the board now and join Howie Roseman uh, with his, uh, you know, power play hasn't been good since 2014-15. Welcome, Chuck. You, you joined the club of general managers that don't really know, like, say stupid things. So I congratulate you. But uh, <clears throat> there's also something I want to point out that he also said during the presser. Uh, speaking out of both sides of his mouth, so to speak, he, he referenced uh, that when he got here, they were 14th in the league. It wasn't uh, It wasn't last year. It was the bubble year. But then he referenced 14th as not being good enough a few years, you know, during the Hextall regime. So I don't really know where he's going with the 14th overall. I don't know what he values that 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 spot at, but I can tell you this, Jamie. In almost eleven, we're at eleven calendar months. 
of hockey for the Flyers. In the last 11 calendar months, the Flyers have a 33 and 33 and 12 record. That is horrible for a team that was supposedly on the cusp of making this, you know, next step. And as we move into what I believe December being the last month that Chuck Fletcher can really play with this, if they don't figure things out by Christmas, there's got to be something done. Now, I don't know what that is. The obvious easy thing to do right off the bat would be to fire AV, maybe his coaching staff or a couple of his coaches. Uh, that would buy, that would be the easiest thing to do. Um, I want to know what your opinion of that is. If the Flyers don't get this thing turned around by Christmas, is AV the – obvious is he that is he that target that chuck fletcher should be focused on i think all of them are uh in to include chuck fletcher himself if yeah. you go back to the the flyers are a very impatient organization uh that, that it, it, notoriously they don't have much patience uh you know and nor should they they expect to win uh you know they came into the league and they, they, they won you know they won a stanley cup within you know, their first, you know, five, you know, seven years of existence. Uh, so they, they have every right to be, you know, impatient, so to speak. Um, and that dates back to the Ed Snyder era, era as well. Ed Snyder would be rolling over in his grave right now at, at this team, and especially over the presser that Chuck Fletcher gave. Yeah. If you're bad, you own it. And I don't know if Ed Snyder would have this much patience you know, with uh, Chuck Fletcher. And, and Chuck Fletcher's a nice guy. I'm not taking anything away from his character or, you know, even A.V. I like them both. Uh, but unfortunately, Chuck Fletcher is married to Elaine Vigneault and his coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So if he is if he is unwilling to pull the trigger and say the Flyers, let, let's just say this is a big weekend for the Flyers. Like, they got Tampa Bay Sunday. You got the Avs. Both of them are Stanley Cup contenders. Uh, most pundits have picked, you know, uh, Colorado to win the Stanley Cup for that matter. You're looking at the fire schedule for the next 10 games. They played the Pittsburgh Penguins like twice. Uh, I, I mean, their schedule doesn't really get any easier. I don't know why some think, oh, yeah, the schedule lightens up. I don't see it. No. Uh, there, there's only like two games in there. There's two West Coast the trips this Canadians, month. But you're looking at the Montreal Canadiens, it just – Changed their whole front office, so they're no easy win either now. Uh, and then there's the Arizona Coyotes, so those are like your two easiest out of the eight that they play. But that's here nor there. So like Chuck Fletcher is married to Elaine Vigneault. If he cannot pull the trigger, uh, let's just say the Flyers go two and eight, you know, in their next ten. If Fletcher is unwilling to move AB, you look back to when. Uh, the 2018-19 season when uh, Dave Hextall, you know, remember Ron Hextall was fired first. Yeah, they were out west. Two weeks, yeah, and then two weeks later, they fired Dave Hextall. And they fired Ron Hextall because he was unwilling to can Dave Hextall. Well, Chuck Fletcher is sort of, to me, in the same situation. If he's unable to can A.V. or even Terrian uh, at this point, which he's backing his staff um, during a presser. That's what, how I oh, yeah. did that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is fine that, you know, a GM wants to back his staff and stuff and not go against them. But, you know, to just blame it on, you know, player personnel or, you know, or whatever, I, I don't know. It's a little. <laughs> yeah. And that was another thing. He, he actually said when asked, is it a personnel problem on the power play? 
He said, yeah, I think it might be. I mean, what the hell? You're the GM. You can change that. You know? I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I've never been a fan of Taryn because of his uh, stubbornness. Um, and it's not that he's a bad guy, but he's he's stubborn. He's reluctant to change. And uh, he's reluctant to go with what's worked in the past. And I look at his units like – if nothing is working, why not insert? I'm not saying that this is the sole answer, but why not put Rasmus Ristolainen on the power play one unit? He has a heck of a slap shot. Jamie, you there? Oh, we lost Jamie. Yeah, that to me, that to me shows that he's being out coached. Uh, in terms of not being able to utilize, you know, Rasmus Rissalainen properly and inserting him on PP1. Right. But you're looking at AV and he's making sort of the same kind of choices that Michael Terrigan is as well. Like, <laughs> this is serious. Scott Lawton, JVR line has worked in the past. Why not insert that line back together? Uh, Verabee and JVR get along very well with chemistry-wise in terms of scoring. Why not try to insert that line back together? I don't know. Lindblom, Coots, and TK is a line that's worked together in the past. So if your scoring has dried up and you're trying to mix and match these lines, why not put lines that have worked together in the past? Why are we so reluctant to utilize lines and pairings that have worked together in the past. It's 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 a weird situation what's going on here in Philadelphia. Um and I wouldn't just say it's the coaching staff. Of course some of the responsibility lies with the players as well. Absolutely. Uh it's not just the coaching staff. Uh let's be honest here. 